Yo, what is going on, everybody? We are back for another episode of the Fantasy Newsroom. And today, we're joined by the usual. Spencer, Ryan, how are you guys doing tonight? Smashing. Amazing. And of course, as always, we have a guest every week. And today, we have someone special, Jacob or RTDB. How are you doing tonight? Man, I'm good. Are you guys actually doing amazing and smashing? You guys are like, I'm doing amazing. Is this a hostile video? Ready. I wasn't ready either. Hey man, I got my first John Robinson ready. yesterday. It's amazing. <laughs> let's get let's get some excitement going. Come on, yeah. yeah no, I'm happy to be here. I got a lot to talk about today. Uh, excited to talk about Julio. Uh, I think I we're planning on getting it into some running backs. I feel passionately about. So I'm I'm down to chat. Uh, I'm down to have a good night. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's always good to have you on, Jacob. Uh, where are you working? What are you doing? Uh, where are you writing at right now? What are you What are you producing out there? places oh boy did i just cut out for like a hot second there can you hear me i'm good sorry everyone blocked for like two seconds <laughs> um all right we're good uh no you can you can find me uh every tuesday co-host dynasty intervention uh with chase vernon and shane manila you can find me every friday on the full tilt dynasty podcast with tom tipple and billy milestone and we got uh some big news coming in tomorrow um some great stuff happening over with that and of course you can find me on twitter ff underscore rtdb and you can find my writing on playerprofiler.com. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I love all the work you do. I love chatting up with you as much as I can. We always have what seems to be lively debates. So I'm happy. I'm happy you're here. I'm happy we can we could chop up this actually breaking news. Yeah. Uh, Julio Jones was traded to the Tennessee Titans to pair up with A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry. Um, initial thoughts. What are you guys' initial thoughts on the trade? We'll start with you, Jacob. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty great. Like, I think this is probably the not landing spot for for everybody. Uh, like, I think Julio Jones was probably getting a downgrade, at least slightly, pretty much no matter where he got traded, right? I mean, you really can't beat Atlanta where he has built-in chemistry with Matt Ryan. They're going to throw it a million times because their defense sucks. So that would have been great if he stayed. Once, once the Sharp Show stuff came out, like, I was – 100% sure he was gone at that point. Yeah. And, you you know, other options were San Francisco, New England, Baltimore. I think Tennessee is a much better landing spot than all of those. They really only have one guy on that team who actually commands volume and A.J. Brown. So Julio steps in right alongside him. I expect both those guys to eat and see a really, really consolidated target share around just the two of them. And I think it's going to be a really fantastic offense. I mean, they, they needed depth. They really only had A.J. and Henry as legit playmakers adding a third guy, even if he's a little bit older, he was still a really solid wide receiver last year when he was actually on the field. I'm excited about it for Tennessee. And for Atlanta, I mean, it's a big loss for sure. But they brought in Kyle Pitts, of course. We're all really excited about Pitts. Uh, and Calvin Ridley, you know, he's a baller. So I, I think Atlanta will make do. It's too bad. I, I wanted to see what that offense would have looked like with Ridley and Julio and Pitts. I think they would have been off the charts. But I think they'll be okay. I just want to chime in. You said we're all really <laughs> excited about Pitts. I will have to bow out of that. Yeah, why? Why do you hate the greatest? Why do you hate the greatest tight end prospect of all time? Because I just disagree that he's the greatest. Well, okay, he might be the greatest, but I think the margin between greatest and second greatest is not that big. So who's who's second for you? I mean, just off of my analysis, my personal analysis, which is definitely not God's word, I'm a huge fan. Fan like his profile is just as good as Pitts with a little with a slight downgrade in production but he was battling with TJ Hawkinson his whole time in college. And he did it all as a true, or uh, 
He did it. He didn't. He think he played one game his, his freshman year. So he did it all from sophomore and, and uh, junior year. Whereas Kyle and like I don't know. I I'm just a huge Noah Fant fan, and I think he like moving Kyle Pitts before he takes NFL snap above even TJ Hawkinson is hard. Um, even though I don't like him like athletically as much, he's his upside is definitely capped. Like I think we saw like his upside last year. Like Kenny Galladay didn't play most of last year already, and he had Matthew Stafford throwing him the football on a terrible Lions team with um a terrible defense like i don't know how much better you can get i don't know why the expectations are higher than what they were last year it should be the same or worse now that he has jared goff to compete with or versus matthew stafford um noah fant is aaron Rodgers away or deshaun watson away from being a tight end one like the tight end one that's just my personal opinion i I think fans great i i I have fan over hawkinson in my dynasty ranks but when when was Fant drafted he was what 19th 20th overall something like that 20th yep Right, so his his profile looks great analytically, uh, but to me that's like saying that's like looking at a guy like a Rashad Bateman and saying like, okay, well his analytical profile lines up to the point where he's just as good as Chase. But it's like, no, Chase is actually the guy that they drafted at fifth overall. Bateman going back in the late first. To me, if you combine those, the you know the holy trinity of it, where you look at the athleticism, which matters even more at tight end uh, than it matters a wide receiver, and then you look at what he actually produced analytically. And then you just trust draft capital is really a proxy for that film analysis, plus what all of the film and you know analysts out there are saying about Pitts. To me, there, there's no there's no one that truly compares when you look at all of those fronts. And to, with Kyle Pitts, he's also just in a significantly better spot than Noah Fant, unfortunately. Like Noah Fant couldn't yeah. possibly be in a worse spot, which sucks. Like I, he's still in my dynasty tight end five. I I would love Noah Fant to be almost anywhere else. Like it's, it's, it's really hard to think <laughs> yeah. of worse spots than, than Denver yeah. right now where he has to compete with two wide receivers that I think are, are very legitimately good. Even their peripheral players like Hamler, Albert Okwebenam, yeah. you know, they got the running backs. Both of them are capable out of the pass game. Tim Patrick, like they just have so many dudes that can actually play football there. It's just really tough to get behind fan going nuclear. And the problem with tight end is you kind of have to go nuclear to really, really, really matter. And Pitts is just set up to roll. I mean, after Ridley – there's really nobody else there. It's like Russell Gage, who got over 100 targets last year. I have yeah. no idea how. Alameda uh, yeah. Zacchaeus, Christian Blake, Frank Darby. Like these Talk aren't just guys. These are these man. are just these are just guys. And, and Kyle Pitts is not just a guy. Uh, I think he's going to walk in, and he's he's instantly the second best pass catcher on that team. Who do you think's the third best? I think that's uh, probably, an interesting conversation. So I think probably Gage. The problem with Gage is like from a dynasty perspective or from a redraft perspective, you actually have to – there's an opportunity cost involved with Gage. Like it's not a high one, but you probably at least have to give an early third for him or, or a late second or something. And to me, it's just a losing proposition because I don't think he's very good. I think it's, it's possible that someone else emerges and usurps him. And best case scenario, what are you looking at? You're looking at like 110 empty calorie targets to be your third flex player. Like, I, I just don't care about that. Yeah. He's not a transcendent player. He's he's not a high upside player. I, I would much rather take Alameda Zacchaeus or Frank Darby off the waiver wire than I give thought. up an actual asset for Russell Gage. Yeah. I'm actually going to – I don't know if this is off the grain or if, if you are off the grain, but I'm actually on the Hayden Hurst camp. Uh, they're yeah, just going to go 12 personnel. And I think Hayden Hurst is actually going to score the third most fantasy points from a receiving perspective uh, on that team this year, especially in tight end premium. I'm okay with Hurst, and, and that's a little bit, you know, I don't think Hurst can be a difference maker either. Like, I don't think any of these no. guys are going to be. I mean, Hurst's roster, right, because everybody thought he was interesting last year, and then, you know, everyone got depressed, but they haven't hit the drop button yet. 
So yeah. he's like languishing. Probably people forgot that I actually rostered Hayden Hurst and they, they log back in. They're like, oh, fuck, I still have Hayden Hurst. That's nice. Um, that was me in like yeah. three different weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Hurst is probably one of like 15 people who will essentially be collectively the tight end 10 this year. Yeah, yeah. That like one point disparity between the tight end yeah. like eight and 26 or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I don't care that much about Hayden Hurst, but he's probably going to see 80 to 90 targets. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with everything you're saying there, but I think the guy that takes like the the most fortunate fall in Atlanta is actually Matt Ryan. Yeah, I think Matt Ryan is now going to hit that. We saw this kind of cliff he was edging towards, and now that without a play, a generational transcendent playmaker in Julio Jones, he's going to be forced to give the ball to Calvin Ridley. Like, yeah, Russell Gage might be targeted 110 times, but how many times is he going to get open? How many times are you going to catch the football, right? This offense isn't going to be nearly as prolific as we once thought. The touchdown upside for both Ridley and Pitts has not plummeted, but it's definitely fallen. I mean, Mike Davis, the upside we thought he could have has fallen. I mean, everything in this Atlanta offense is going to circle around what Matt Ryan can provide, and I just don't know if he can step up to the plate and perform those big numbers we saw when he had Julio. I'm pretty okay with this for Mike Davis, to be honest. Uh, I just – I think that – like they're gonna they're gonna end up throwing the ball to running backs because my like they're going to have to pass their defense will not stop anyone. I think Arthur Smith is like I, I don't usually care that much about offensive coordinators and I I'm not sure that I, I would I'm gonna worship Arthur Smith as much as some do, but he's at least above average. Like to the extent that play callers are good, he's good. He uses play action. He creates smart route combinations. He plays to his players' strengths. I think he, this is gonna be a competent offense. I, I think that you have Ridley who's an, legitimately a stud like I, I faded Ridley yeah. at times but he's legitimately a stud he can win all over the field it, I've, I've seen the Juju comps and frankly they're just kind of ridiculous in my opinion like Juju Smith-Schuster is a slot wide receiver and even when he was crushing he was crushing as a slot wide receiver we know what Juju yeah. is he's a really intelligent wide receiver he can get into the holes of zones he can create a lot of uh, yardage after the catch he's not a guy who can go out there and beat press coverage he's never been that and and that's what he was asked to do Calvin Ridley can, and Calvin Ridley has. Uh, do I think he will be as efficient without Julio? Probably not. But do I think he can still be the wide receiver one in an offense? Yes. And I think it kind of comes down to Pitts, right? If, if Pitts is a guy who can just obliterate man coverage year one, then that's going to be a huge help for this offense because Ridley's going to get bracketed constantly. And, and Pitts needs to be a guy that can win his assignment every single snap. And, and that can kind of create holes for everything else. If not, you know, it's, you're going to be looking at a bunch of checkdowns to Mike Davis and, and six-yard little dumpy shit to Russell Gage. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree with that. And it, I just think the touchdowns were kind of what I was relying on with Mike Davis, not necessarily the catches. I was seeing maybe a 9, 10, 11 touchdown season from Davis mm-hmm. when with Julio there. And without that, I'm, I'm kind of scared. I don't want to rely on – and it's kind of backwards, right, because you don't really want to rely on touchdowns. But when you had Julio there, you could rely on the team actually getting to the red zone. And, and then not throwing to Julio. Exactly. Right. That's what I was saying too. I was like, dude, that yeah, Julio leaving means they're like not going to throw it to Julio now, and he's not going to catch it when he's not there because he's well, not, that, you know. Well, that's fair, but like to the to the Matt Ryan point, this this offense kind of resembles in a way the the first year that we saw Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey together, right? Because you have that elite wide receiver that can get open, he can make plays. You have this elite tight end and Kyle Pitts, and if he does transcend to that Travis Kelsey level play, this could be a competent offense. So you're kind of right when it does rely on Kyle Pitts to become that level of player now because Matt Ryan's going to need it. 
he's going to need another weapon. He's going to need another guy to go out there and make the field happen, or it's going to be even worse for Calvin Ridley at times. Bank right? So he's always fun. Always fun. I, I'm, I think I'm avoiding the Atlanta offense at price. In, in I mean, Matt Ryan has to still throw for like 4,000 yards, right? And that oh, yeah. someone has to catch them. So, I mean, at most, you know, you could give like Calvin Ridley a crazy number, like say 1,500 yards, and then give Kyle Pitts like a crazy number, like 900. Like that's still what, uh, 1,400 yards to go around. So, I mean, and then all those catches as well. So, I mean, there, there's somebody on this offense that's going to be fantasy relevant for sure. Matt Ryan's going to have 4,500 yards, and it might be ugly, yeah. but he's going to have 4,500 yards because he's going to have to throw 650 to 700 times. So unless he's, like, throwing with Sam Darnold-level efficiency, he's going to be able to put up yardage, even if it's not necessarily very pretty. Like, I, I don't think it'll be as efficient as what I'm with Julio, but – I think it'll be common. Like, I think we're looking at an average offense and we're looking at a very pass heavy average offense. No, I don't disagree with that. I just, I just don't know if like going into redraft, like now I'm thinking kind of just this season, cause I I'm with it yeah. on dynasty with Pitts and Ridley. I love it. But like with redraft, I don't know how I can trust that Kyle, Kyle Pitts is going to have to transcend because he might not throw 400, 4,500 yards. If Pitts doesn't take that level step, right. I don't trust Russell Gage. I don't trust Zacchaeus. I don't trust Blake. I don't trust Darby. I don't trust Mike Davis. I don't trust them, right? So I'm going to draft Ridley, but if he's going to be going wide receiver to three or two or four, I'm out. Like that's just not where I'm drafting Calvin Ridley, even if that volume is going to be there, because I don't trust that Matt Ryan's going to be able to, to take another step and transcend this offense without Julio Jones. It's just not something I'm willing to bank on. Who are you guys taking now straight up in redraft, uh, Calvin Ridley or A.J. Brown? AJ Brown, AJ Brown AJ before Brown. and after, yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I'm the same way, but I, but consensus, is, I think, is starting to swing to Ridley at least in redraft uh, and dynasty, of course. Everybody's still taking Brown, but I, I, would, I have them back to back. I got AJ Brown at five and Ridley at six. My redraft ranks. I, I just think AJ oh, Brown, wow. AJ Brown's been uh, ten yards per target plus his entire yeah. career. Yep. The offense actually got better. I, I expect him to continue to at least be above nine. So he'll probably be around that 10 yards per target range. If the Atlanta offense starts to spot her at all, uh, I would pretty, probably be slotting really into the eight, 8.5 range. So even though I think he's getting more targets, like we're, we're looking at, at a, at a pretty healthy amount of targets that AJ Brown can trail Calvin Ridley by and still match him in the yardage department, just based on their historical efficiency and in touchdowns. I don't think it's going to be close. Like I think AJ Brown, the guy scores touchdowns constantly. Yeah. And the yeah. next thing about Julio is he yep. doesn't like Julio, Julio yeah. will come to your team. He'll be efficient and you'll get yardage and you'll never score touchdowns. So it's, it's like, that's fine. Yeah. yeah the week he does score a touchdown is the week you just dominate your opponent. Yeah. That week, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I was curious, uh, where were you at with AJ Brown pre the trade? Because I was of the opinion that with Arthur Smith leaving and before we went into the draft and they took Desmond Patrick, I was of the assumption they would take someone in the first or second. And yeah. I was like going to swing that to like ease my, my bias that I think they're going to throw more this year. But then after they didn't draft anyone, I was like, man, maybe they don't want to throw more this year. Maybe they just want to like kind of rely on Henry and AJ Brown still and just be kind of that middle level team they were last year, a little run heavy. Uh, but then with this Julio signing, I'm now I've now like brought myself back to like they're going to throw more this year than in past years. And so like for me personally, even though Julio did come and like you said, you have AJ ahead, 
I'm like way higher on AJ. Not way higher. I had him at wide receiver two. He stayed at wide receiver two for dynasty purposes. Um, but like I'm much higher on him going forward now because I think with Henry continuing to age and with them bringing Julio for one, probably two years, I'm really excited for like this passing offense that's about to come about, you know? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think people, I think your process is correct on that. I, I think that people had a pretty bad process on AJ Brown, honestly, uh, for much of this off season. He, he came in off the sophomore year uh, with just under 26% target share last year when he was healthy. And I saw a lot of talk that this year he could be, you know, 35%. People are saying he could be 30 to 35%. Well, maybe, but that's that's pretty unlikely. Like, we, we've only seen yeah. maybe one wide receiver per year be 35. And, and if you look at even just 30%, over the last four or five years, there's only been four wide receivers each year that hit that 30% marker. And usually two of them every single year, Devontae and DeAndre Hopkins, right? So yeah. you're, you're, you're looking at quite a class wide receiver. I think AJ Brown's awesome. Like AJ Brown's my dynasty wide receiver one. I, I think it's fully within his range of outcomes to be that level of target hog. But I, I was projecting him to go from 26 to 28% in targets. Uh, and I was projecting the volume to be about the same because they just, they lost those players, right? But now you look at with Julio, I'm much more comfortable projecting a volume increase uh, I agree with you. I think that they will look to pass more, partially just based on math. They, they haven't passed very much. So you're more yeah. likely to pass more than less. And their defense is going to be completely trash. They they lost uh, both their starting corners in free agency from a secondary that was really bad last year. They really only have one plus player in that whole secondary, which is Kevin Byard. They can't generate a pass rush. So I, I just don't think that their defense is going to be able to stop anyone. I think they're going to be forced to pass the ball. And they're going to be able to pass the ball super, super efficiently with A.J. and Julio and Tannehill. So I, I, mocked, I knocked uh, A.J. Brown down to, I think, about a 25.5% target share, uh, which I think is totally achievable. It's pretty much yep. what he got last year. And yeah. that still ended up projecting him out for 139 targets in 17 games. So I, I, have him, I had him as my wide receiver three in redraft prior just because I, I at least thought that 35% target share was – within his range of outcomes, even if it was a very small piece of the pie. Uh, and and now I don't think that's the case, but I, I would still take him as the fifth. It would be behind Tyree Kill, Steph Diggs, Devontae, and Hopkins. So you feel like he's more safe now? Like he's more yeah. predictable now, I guess is a better way to say it? Yeah, yes. I, I think it just consolidated his range of outcomes. Like yeah. if, you, if you look prior, there was an upper percentile where he can just win you know, being bracketed and he's just that good yeah. and he gets like a 35% target share and he crashes and he breaks fantasy football. That was possible. I also think <laughs> that there was a possibility that he becomes not very efficient anymore because he gets doubled on every single play and, and he stays at around 25% with a yards per target of like eight. I think that was also in his range of outcomes. I don't think anybody priced that in. And now I think he's probably just, you know, what he was last year, except hopefully he'll be healthy for all 16 games, which is a top five wide receiver. Yeah, firm agree. Agree. I, yeah. I I agree with that. Actually, I agree firmly with that one. But a guy I think I'm putting above both AJ Brown and I want to mention Calvin Ridley with this because I I think I'm drafting him in redraft over both of them is actually Michael Thomas. Okay. Because he does have that target share. I mean, we know Thomas is going to demand the football in New Orleans. He's going to get that thirty per, that elusive thirty percent target share like he has in the past, and that's something that is safe, right? If he stays healthy, obviously, right? It's it's, it's a safe bet. That's like you're talking about with outcomes. The outcome's safe when you get thirty percent of target. Like your floor is immaculately safe, while your while your ceiling can be super high, right? Mm -hmm. Especially with Jameis if he was the starter, right? So, if Taysom is the starter, I still think I want Thomas over both. I just I'm not drafting wide receiver early. I, I think I'm off that boat. 
honestly, but I think Thomas is a guy I'm going to want over AJ Brown just because I think he's going to demand that target share. Just to throw that out there. Where where do you guys stand on on Thomas? I, I I'm happy to talk Thomas after you guys get your piece. I, I like Thomas this year, but I don't know what you guys are thinking. Ryan, what are I'm you not thinking? as big on him as I think Matt is, but um, yeah, I mean, if Jameis Winston is the starting quarterback, I'm starting whoever he's throwing to, um, wherever he plays. So yeah, I mean, Michael Thomas to the moon with Jameis starting. I just don't know how long it'll be. I don't even know if you if he started week one. I don't even know if you could bet he would start by the end of the season. So it's kind of a gamble a little bit. Like maybe, you know, week one to four, Jameis is starting still and Michael Thomas is like projecting to be the wide receiver one or something. I might look to trade um, for someone who's a little more stable, like A.J. Brown, um, who might be getting off to a slow start or something. And then with Henry, Henry uh, losing touches towards the end of the season, aging, you know, like he could pick it up towards the later half. So, I mean, there's a strategy to it all, but uh, I don't trust the Saints. I don't trust Jameis Winston to start for a long period of time. Uh, even if we're talking about redraft. So uh, Michael Thomas to the moon while Jameis starts for, you know, <laughs> best ball and DFS and stuff. But outside of that, I'm kind of out. I, I firmly uh, agree with that. I just, I just hope those reports scare people off because I'm not buying those at all. Did you see that, uh, what was it, a Rotor World report where Jameis can't throw slants or whatever it was? <laughs> yeah. I, I hope oh, that yeah. scares people. I hope <laughs> it scares people off because I'll be buying Thomas all day. I'm in the middle of, of you guys, I think. Uh, I, I'm not I definitely would not take Thomas over AJ Brown and Calvin really. I just I just don't see the the week to week ceiling for Thomas. I think they're gonna run the crap out of the ball in New Orleans this year. Uh, I don't think that Sean Payton desires Jameis Winston to play the way that he played in Tampa Bay. They know they have a really good defense. They're a significantly better team than the Tampa team that, that Jameis was on. And they're gonna want to play a ball control offense. They also play really slow. Like people don't People don't really realize this because New Orleans has been a really good offense for the last while, and and they've produced fantasy performers. But they're one of the slowest-paced teams in the NFL, and they've been that for a little while. I, I don't think that that's going to change this year, no matter who they have at quarterback, personally. Um, that's that's going to take away some opportunities. I agree. I mean, Michael Thomas is going to get 30% of the targets. He, he got that last year when he was playing and when he was healthy. He had the highest air yards percentage in the whole NFL. So I think if that's safe, I think even with Taysom Hill, uh, he's still a high and wide receiver too. I remember last year when he was playing with Taysom Hill, I was jamming Michael Thomas in cash games and DFS because he was still getting just peppered with targets and nobody wanted to play him because it was Taysom Hill and it's gross and he couldn't get you 30 points probably, but he's still going to be a really safe option. I have Thomas wide receiver eight, uh, which is above consensus. I mean, he's, he's going after DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson uh, in death ball right now. I'm taking Thomas over both of them. I, I The only guys that I have above Michael Thomas right now would be the the ones that I just talked about, you know, Ridley Brown and the four that I have above them, and then Keenan Allen actually, who I, I think profile is similar to Michael Thomas, where Allen's also going to get a ridiculous amount of targets. To me, it's just Keenan Allen. We know he's getting targets from he's getting targets from Justin Herbert yeah. in an offense that's probably going to play fairly fast. I, I mean, Brandon Staley for a defensive head coach. If you've ever listened to him be interviewed. He's an incredibly sharp dude. Like he's one of the most analytically focused head coaches in the NFL. I'm so impressed every time I hear him talk and the way he views the game. I think they're going to be playing a pretty up-tempo offense. I think that you see that uh, in terms of how they did not address running back at all, right? They didn't address running back. That means Eckler is probably going to be playing the majority of snaps. And if you have Austin Eckler as your primary running back, you're passing the ball. Like you're not jamming Austin Eckler, 195 pound Eckler between the tackles, yeah. running halfback dive 20 times a game. That's okay. a ridiculous way to run your offense, right? And I'll tell you what, they're not going to do that with Larry Roundtree either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that means 
that means Herbert's going to be in shotgun and he's going to be passing. He's going to be passing usually to Keenan Allen because his target competition last year was nothing. And it got clearer. They, they lost Hunter Henry. The only guy they added was Jared Cook, who's Josh like – Palmer. I Dad. mean, Matt, you're a Saints fan. You watched Jared Cook last year. He used to be athletic. That's no longer the first word I would use to describe him. No, the first word I would use to describe him is drop. <laughs> yeah, like the drop. dude's washed. So he's washed. Josh Palmer, whatever. He's a third-round rookie who I don't understand why he was drafted a third round. I'm not that concerned about Josh Palmer. I'm certainly not that concerned about blocking tight end Trey McKinney. So Keenan Allen's going to get a, pot, a ton of targets. I think they're going to throw more. And similar roles. They're both going to have you know lower ADOT roles. I just I know that Justin Herbert's my quarterback versus Jameis Winston's probably my quarterback. And Taysom Hill's going to come in on the goal line. And Taysom Hill might be my starting quarterback. So it's the upside that you like in Allen compared to the similar floor is what you're saying. You know what? I think the floor is actually maybe even higher for Thomas because I, I think that I don't think he's a low ADOT player. I think he has a low ADOT role. So I think that there's an upside for Thomas where they let Winston play and they just say, mm-hmm. we're going to cater offense to your strengths. And there's no one else here because Adam Troman's Adam Troman and Traquan. And I mean, y'all know how I feel about my boy, Michael's Callaway, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with so, you. so there, there's like a world in which they decide, okay, Jameis is your team now. And we're actually going to let Thomas play a traditional wide receiver role where he's not just running slants because Drew Brees couldn't throw. But Keenan Allen, I just like the floor more because I know that his quarterback is going to be one of the top eight quarterbacks in the league, not a tight end. <laughs> tight end. I wanted to mention something when you brought up uh, just a real quick snippet when you said let the players play to their strengths. Sean Payton's really good at doing that. It's yeah. just what player he chooses to do, right? Because like everyone's yeah. worried about Alvin Kamara this year, a little bit of worry about Michael Thomas, right? I'm all in on Alvin Kamara this year. This Saints off. This Saints team is still going to want to compete. They again push a lot of money to the back of these deals. They're again not looking at retooling or rebuilding this team. They're looking at going again and trying to compete for a championship. And the best way Sean Payton knows how to do that is to put his best players at the focal point of the offense and the defense. It's why we saw Trey Hendrickson break out last year on the defensive side of the ball because he focus pointed him. He said, "You're going to get more snaps. You're going to play more." And boom, he played better, right? So if Alvin Kamara is that guy, which Obviously, he should be. Yeah, right? exactly. Then I'm all in. If Michael Thomas is that guy, I'm all in, right? It was just seemed to be catered towards Drew Brees and hoping to get Drew Brees another ring. And now that that's off, I don't. It's kind of a give and take because I'm kind of I don't know what Sean Payton's going to do. What do I do, right? So, but I trust Sean Payton. <laughs> Our last week's guest popped into the chat said he's also AJ Brown and Ridley over MT. Ah. Uh, the thing, the thing is, you don't need to take MT. Like, you can take both because yeah, you know, right. I'm on best ball constantly. And if I'm on underdog, right, yeah. like Michael Thomas is going usually around the 3-3, three, 3-4. Three, three, yeah. AJ Brown, Ridley, you got to take them middle around two. So if you want both, you can have both. If, if yeah. you want Thomas, like, you, you don't have to take Thomas head AJ Brown and and uh, Colin Ridley. Like I said, you're you can, if you want Thomas – He's going behind Metcalf and Justin Jefferson too. Yeah, so yeah. if you want, if you want uh, Michael Thomas in redraft, you can wait till round three. You don't have to reach for him. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to reach in the second and take him. I just think I think he might score more. I think he's more of a safe play in redraft. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So moving on, let's. Uh, I want to kind of. Let's do a little rookie, I guess, second-year running back, little debate here because I know Jacob's a big running guy. Oh, yeah, As you absolutely. can see, RTDB. Loves to run that damn ball. Yes, run that <laughs> damn ball. So uh, the first debate I know me and Jacob, uh, we saw, where it was a dynasty and redraft debate. It was my boy Antonio Gibson, his boy DeAndre Swift. 
Um, I lean Antonio Gibson in redraft hand in dynasty. I, I don't know who here agrees with me on that. I don't know what you guys have to say, but uh, Jacob, where do, where do you where do you lean on this Swift Gibson debate? Yeah, so I, I've recently modified my stance a little bit. Uh, so I, I still prefer Swift over Gibson and Dynasty. I'll, I'll get into why. But for, first, I'll discuss. I've recently moved Gibson. I just flip flopped them. I had Swift one spot ahead of Gibson before, and now Gibson one spot ahead of Swift in redraft. And the reasoning for that is just, you know, the, the situation to me is just too overwhelming. Uh, Antonio Gibson, all we've heard is that they want to get him more involved in the pass game. I don't think that J.D. McKissick should be an obstacle to that. If the coaches want to get him involved in the pass game, then they can sit J.D. McKissick on the bench. He's been sat on the bench and caught from several teams in the National Football League. I'm sure Washington can do the same. As for Antonio Gibson, he's also in the nut spot as a runner. Like He has nobody taking carries from him. J.D. McKissick is not a rusher. Peyton Barber, I, I don't <laughs> think he exists. So he's going to get like a really, really high percent of the Russian carries and they're going to be good. Like I'm slamming the overall Washington's win total. I'm slamming Washington to win the NFC East. They are going to score a lot of points. They're, they're going to be, in my opinion, a Super Bowl contender this year. I think they have one of the best rosters in the National Football League. And Antonio Gibson's going to get a lot of touchdowns. He's going to get a lot of carries. So I, I'm, I'm warmed up to Gibson. I just think that the floor is what he was last year, but on a way better offense, right? Which is a guy who's going to be the clear workhorse on rushing downs and he's going to be effective in the pass game when they pass him and he's on the field, right? So he can be that 280 carry and 30 to 40 target guy. The upside is that they banish McKissick into the sun and that's where you get the top five upside because he has the athleticism to make those explosive plays. I think that's possible. Swift, I, I think Swift's a better running back than Antonio Gibson. I, I still do. Uh, he was my favorite running back in the 2021 cl- or 2020 class prior to the draft. Uh, you know, obviously, I think Taylor is better than him. He flashed some stuff in the past game that I did not know that he had coming out of Wisconsin. But I still think Swift is really an exquisite talent. I, I mean, in terms of as a, a receiver out of the backfield, he's one of the smoothest in the NFL, not just out of this rookie class. Like, yeah. he's really in that tier to me with maybe not quite at Kamara's level yet, but I think he could get there. At least if you look at, you know, an Aaron Jones type of player, Swift is that guy. I'm not as concerned as most people about the Jamal Williams thing. I, I'm absolutely unconcerned about Todd Gurley. That guy is absolutely <laughs> yep. I, I don't care about Todd Gurley. I but, can see him getting like three touchdowns this year. On <laughs> like, <laughs> like 10 carries. At the I, I don't know. Like he's terrible. It's, it's done. But with, with Jamal, like the thing with Swift, like, like Swift was never going to be an 80% of snaps or a course that and he never needed to be. Like he's, if, to me, like I comped him to an Aaron Jones coming out and except he's a little bit faster actually and that's what he is he's a guy who's who's going to be a good rusher i think he could be an efficient rusher in the nfl but he's probably a 12 to 15 carry rusher not a 20 to 25 carry rusher and where you're going to get the most value out of deandre swift is in the passing game i think he can split out of the slot he can come out of the backfield he can run a full route tree he's super dynamic and detroit set up well for him to do that they're going to trail in every single game like literally, you know, if you look at if you look at the Vegas totals right now, they don't have a single game that they are favored in or that they are an underdog by less than five points. Oh wow! Yeah. If you I just look at Vegas, it's just L L L L L. Yeah, their over under wow. is like four, but you have to pay. Yeah, I think to take yeah. it. Yeah, right. to take what, the, to take the, to under, take the under. Yeah. So yeah. there's this really oh, really God. funny debate going on about like who's going to get more of the touches when they run on early downs, and it's like they're not going to. Because they're yeah. going to be down fourteen nothing. Nobody actually all of the time, so they're never going to be running on early downs. So it actually doesn't matter. But 
but I just I think that Williams is going to take you know a decent amount of carries. I think Williams is fine. They they clearly want to get him involved. There's also downside on uh, pass downs. Williams is an elite pass protector. And, you know, Swift has work to do in that area like all the young running backs do. So I think there's more downside risk. I think it's a little less secure. So I'm taking Gibson in redraft. But in Dynasty, no. I, I mean, I just – I'm not, I'm not going to overreact to guys in better situations in Dynasty, especially if it's not particularly stable. It's one thing if you're looking at a guy in, like, a Kansas City where you know exactly who the quarterback's going to be for the rest of their careers. You probably know the coach is going to be for the rest of their careers. Like Washington right. is set up well this year. I think they have a great defense, but historically defense is not very sticky year to year. Nope. Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think will be good this year. I have no idea if he's going to be a quarterback next year. I don't know who the quarterback's going to be next year. Uh, well, that would be not great. Right. So there's, there's not a lot of stability in Washington. I think Gibson is uniquely set to smash this year, but like the idea that Jamal Williams is a, is a threat to Swift, they easily Washington could sign a Jamal Williams level talent next year and split work with Gibson. Like, 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 like that happens, <laughs> but that happens every single year. It's like teams will bring in these mid-level right. capable running backs that aren't actually that great, but they'll be annoying. Like Antonio Gibson can easily pick up an annoying teammate. That's not hard to envision. Oh, yeah. And Detroit right. it can only get better. They're gonna have a they're gonna have a top pick next year. They're probably gonna get Spencer Rattler or Carson Strong or or uh, Sam Howell or one of these guys. And Swift just has that pedigree. He's been an elite running back prospect since he first stepped on the field in Georgia, taking carries away from Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle. And I don't think that that just goes away. You know, with Gibson, he's got injury concerns. He's got being a running back concerns. And he's still a third-round pick that – no, I mean, that's just true. Like, running backs get hurt all the time. Oh, and and they get – about the, the, the little slander about being Oh, no, no, no. He's, he's, but he's, he's a wide an receiver. awesome player. I, I just mean, like, th- things happen. And when things happen to third round picks, sometimes that turns badly. Right. I was really worried. But when things happen to guys like Swift, they have more insulated value. And that's that's my that's my take on I was super worried about Gibson during the draft because I totally agree that third round is not sticky. It's not it's not for sure for a long time. Um, but after the draft and they didn't select anybody, I was all in. Like I just I mean, I was pretty all in before. And then someone mentioned it. I saw someone tweet it on Twitter, like, how crazy would it be if the Washington ended up grabbing, like, Javante Williams? I was like, I would just cry. After they didn't take anyone, I was like, oh, thank God. And now I'm just like, but for Dynasty, I'm pretty set. Um, I don't think it can get worse. I mean, you're talking about Swift's floor has to be lower, right? At least this year, because the team is just infinitely worse. So much less touchdown upside. You already said he's not getting all the snaps. Um, and then, but Gibson, you already saw all that miserable stuff last year with Kyle Allen and Alex Smith and like no good offense. The defense was still good last year, decent. Um, but they maintained that whole O line they had last year. They brought Brandon Scherf back. And I just don't see how it can get worse than last year. And he finished RB13 after missing two games and leaving one game after the first or second snap. Um, so, like you said, I mean, that's the floor. And I don't know if that floor is just redraft. It feels like a dynasty floor to me. I'm not sure how it can get worse. Whereas with Swift, I think it can get worse um, because they could be with Jared Goff for this year, next year. You know what I mean? We don't know how long that's going to be. Oh, I don't think that's happening. No. I don't know. I They could I mean, have uh, well, they but, grabbed him this year instead of Sewell. They could have grabbed well, uh, Justin Fields. I guess I'll say this. The, the only way that they're not stuck with Jared Goff or the only way they're stuck with Jared Goff past this year is if he's actually good. 
because their well, defense is, <laughs> right because their, their defense is horrible. Yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty clear. And if Jared Goff is terrible, then they'll have a top pick, and they're going to probably replace him if he's terrible. The only yeah. way that they don't have a top pick with this supporting cast and that defense is if Jared Goff has. Like, if he turns the clock back to 2017, 2018, and he's dealing. And if yeah. that happens, DeAndre is just going to be the beneficiary of that. I, I guess that that's just – I don't know. I, I just – at the end of the day, like in Dynasty, I'm ahead of consensus on both these guys, by the way. I, I have Swift as, as my RB4 in Dynasty, and I have Gibson as my RB7. So I'm, I'm ahead of consensus on both. If you look at the ADP, I think Swift is the consensus RB6. I think Gibson – Gibson's ADP actually doesn't make any sense. It doesn't reflect the draft that I'm in. His ADP is like RB16. That has never happened in a draft that I'm in since January. So I don't really know. Uh, Maybe I just play with Gibson fans. But (laughs) I I want both of these guys. Uh, These are both the kind of running backs I want. They're hyper-athletic. They, I mean, Gibson's obviously a different case. He doesn't have a college production profile. But he was good enough in his first year that I'm I'm willing to not care that much. Uh, But they're both hyper-hyper-athletic, Gibson especially. So they both have receiving backgrounds. Uh, they, yeah. they're both been efficient. They're both young. Like these are the guys that you want in dynasty. These are the guys that have profiles where one day they could be the dynasty RB one. That's, that's how good I think these guys are. And they, they check all the boxes. They just need the situation to align around them. Yeah. Did you see the tweet? Uh, I guess a little controversial, um, but from uh, dynasty Zoltan, Mike. Um, yeah. yeah. With the, the anatomy of a, the mm-hmm. RB one. I thought that was a great read. And I love uh, that. Yeah, with the Swift, when he was talking about Swift, like he's missing a few more of those little things that he figured out than than Gibson is, and that's another reason why it's just easier to bet on him. You know what I mean? And it, I'm sure that was a redraft oriented thread, but it's it's not as I don't think it's as fast to turn a team around. Like we knew last year, Washington was just missing the quarterback. Like the Lions are not just missing a quarterback. You know what I mean? Like you said, they're missing defense and they're still missing offensive threats. Like it's just it's going to be a long, Swift, it's going to be a long the, rebuild. Yeah. The thing with Swift though is like I want Swift on teams with bad defense. Like Swift is going to make up his value by like, getting a hundred targets. Like that's that's okay. the that's the nut like outcome for Swift. So yeah. I. I the, the team not having good wide receivers and the team having a bad defense is pretty good for Swift. I. I want them to have a better quarterback because I yeah. want them to actually move the ball and I want them to have some touchdown upside. But I kind of like Matt this. Stafford to stay. Yeah, I mean, that would have been awesome, right? <laughs> like if we had Matt Stafford yeah. with nothing to throw to except Swift and Hawkinson and a terrible defense, yeah. like Swift would be set up to go bonkers. I Wasn't that kind of last year, though? Like with Galladay out, we were talking about? Yeah, and, and when, when they let Swift play, it was pretty great. <laughs> like yeah. like it, was, it was such a tilting season because they – you know, like like what happens with a lot of rookie running backs at the beginning of the year, the stats were were curtailed, right? And they, they were playing carry on on pass protection, and they were playing AP on the early downs, and it was pretty gross. But I mean, every time Swift got touches, he did things with them. And then coming out of the bye week, he was clearly their lead back, and he had a couple of really awesome games, and then he got concussed. Yeah, and, yeah. and he was still pretty good when he came back. It just it wasn't quite as magical. Uh, Stafford ended up getting hurt too late in the year, and it was just a bit yeah, of a mess. Yeah. But like. He's, he was really, really effective. And the one issue that I don't get with Swift is people say that he can't get work at the goal line. I, I don't really understand I've never heard that. that. People, I don't well, hear that no, like a lot of people say like he's not going to get the touches in the red zone. And, and then especially with Gurley, it's like he's never going to get a goal line touching it. Swift was one of the most efficient running backs 
you know, inside the 10 in the yeah. entire NFL last year. He was the only yeah. one who was more efficient inside the 10 was Alvin Kamara. <laughs> now, I know that not, some of that's not that sticky, and I, I expect, you know, that to shift year to year. But certainly, there's no reason why he can't be. He's not that small. He's like 212. He's just short, which is great at the goal end because he's super compact. He has a super low center of gravity. He's extremely shifty. I see zero yeah. reason why he wouldn't be a good goal line back. And if you think about other guys who are historically efficient at the goal line, it's not just the Derrick Henry. It's like Aaron Jones is one of the most efficient goal line backs in the NFL. So is Alvin Kamara. Like guys who are really shifty, guys who have lower centers of gravity, guys who are just good running backs, like are usually also good goal line running backs. Yeah. The idea that like a slow like guy who just happens to be big is like better at the goal line, like no, Derrick Henry's great at the goal line because he's great. They're stuck with Legarrette Blunt in their head or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, Blunt was, I don't know. Okay, Blunt was good. Like Blunt was an actually extremely good running back in this league for a number of years. Like if you, I was just thought of the first big could, guy. I know. I just I get tilted because I think Blunt. People like think Blunt is just like some dude that they <laughs> threw out there, like Jonas Gray. I think Blunt was like, actually a really <laughs> good running back. <laughs> I think. Right. Uh, oh. Oh, my bad. I was going to ask Ryan where he leans with the Swift Gibson. Yeah, uh, this debate is like sort of null for me because in my dynasty rankings, I have him four or five. So, like, I'm head of so, consensus same. too. Like, same. I just like Gibson a little more because of the profile, and I think he's going to get more receiving work. And I like the situation a little better. N- nothing much, but like, I like them both a lot. And where I could grab them both, I will. So, you think Gibson will get more receiving work? Yeah, I think they're going to split them out wide. I think they're both going to get a lot. That's what I th- that's what my thing is. I think Gibson and Swift are going to get a lot of receiving work. I wanted to pitch that same same yeah. thing to you as well because you're talking about, oh, the upside for Swift is 100-plus targets, yeah. right? But so, J.D. McKissick so, saw 100-plus targets last year. <laughs> and if we're talking about J.D. McKissick seeing that many yeah. on the Washington team, obviously some of that is because of Alex Smith. We can give away a little bit for him. Uh, <laughs> it was not as much as you might think. The beginning of the year with Kyle Allen and with – what's his name? Uh, Dwayne Haskins. Wow. He, was, he still had a really high target share. Um, so I could easily see, and JD McKissick is a, uh, free agent next year. You could easily see for dynasty purposes, Gibson just take over like 70% of that. So we'll give him, you know, 60 targets just from McKissick. You know what I mean? Say like what you're saying, if that, if he just goes away, you know, that's a lot bigger upside than with Swift who already kind of had that at the end of the season, he already kind of had that to himself. Um, and then that, that receiving floor is much closer but I think the rushing upside is much higher for Gibson. I, I don't like this. I, I just I'm uncomfortable with the idea of just sort of transposing <laughs> offenses, and we just like, well, this guy goes, we'll just give him some of the like. I just oh no, I don't like think a big, that, a big I don't issue think last year happen. I think like he's going to beat him out throughout the year. Yeah, but a big issue last year with Washington was that they didn't have anyone to throw to. Right, like it was Terry McLaurin, and if you couldn't throw it, like Logan freaking Thomas got 110 yeah, targets Thomas. last year. That's <laughs> Logan Thomas got more targets than Mike Evans last year. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> in, in a team that threw considerably less, like that's that makes no sense. Yeah, that has been, and Washington knows that their receiving core was complete trash, and then they signed two. You know, Curtis Samuel is very good, Adam and Humphreys. Adam Humphries, who's a guy, but he's certainly better than you know just a bunch of dudes named Sims. I like Deami Brown. <laughs> and then you know, and then they drafted Deami Brown, who I really yeah. really like. So I just think that we're looking at a very new offense. I, I'm not projecting that they're going to have a loony amount of targets, running backs, and DeAndre Swift. I mean, Gibson's so hard to judge because. Like theoretically, he's he's a good 
receiver because he actually played receiver in college, but he didn't yeah. actually draw that many targets in college. Like he only had, he had 33 carries and 43 catches, I think something like that in his career, which is nothing crazy. And then he, he was, you know, he didn't get to play a lot on passing downs last year. So I think that Gibson has a pass catching ceiling, but I don't feel as confident as a pass catching floor. Whereas Deandre Swift, every step of his life, he's been a running back who draws a ton of targets. And then he was also that in his rookie year. So I, I feel a lot more confident that Swift is going to be that pass catching back. I'm not okay. as convinced about that with Antonio Gibson, but it also wouldn't surprise me if we saw that. I, I just think last year's Washington offense should almost be thrown out because we're getting a, a totally new quarterback. We're getting like the only, the only player that I'm comfortable sort of projecting a similar role to is Terry McLaurin. I think everything mm-hmm. else is going to get really reshaped because it was just so weird last year with all the different quarterbacks and a bunch of bums. And it was just, it was just weird. It was very weird to watch. I don't hate that process at all. I don't mind that. I had too yeah, many I, of those Sims on my dynasty teams. I'll tell you yeah, what. I had a lot of Steven Sims. So I'm kind of, kind of, <laughs> oh, yeah, all right. 30th <laughs> round pick. Uh, I was starting JD McKissick. It was great. <laughs> Also a wide receiver in college, by the way, J.D. McKissick. Oh, was he? Uh, yeah. yeah, he played wide receiver at Arkansas <laughs> State. Yep. All right, so moving on to another another pair of 2020 running backs. I think this one's going to be fun. Uh, we got J.K. Dobbins, C.E.H., Dynasty Redraft. We're going to start with Ryan. Where do you lean? Ryan, where do you lean with uh, Dobbins and C.E.H.? Uh, Who would you rather have? In, in Redraft or Dynasty? Both. Give Both. it to us. Give it to us. Oh man, I feel like this might be a little spicy, but I, I give me Ceh. I mean, he's tied to Mahomes. I remember all the talk with the Brian Westbrook. Like, hey, Pat Mahomes personally picked him out. Andy Reid called him as Brian Westbrook. We didn't see any of that in year one, but we have to remember there was no mini camp, there was no offseason programs, there was none of that. So I think Ceh is going to get more work. I know. Damian Williams opted out last year. And who else is in that backfield? Correct me if I'm wrong. Is it Darwin Thompson? Well, Damian Williams isn't well, there. He's in Chicago. He's in Chicago no, right? they got Darryl Williams. No. He Darryl had 4 7 Well, and then they brought in Bell later. <laughs> they brought in Bell, but I mean, what I want to see this Jarek McKinnon, Jet. Oh, oh boy. That's a, that's a big one. Get live from McKinnon. But I just want to see CEH's target uh, share go up. And then with Dobbins, I mean – Gus Edwards just got the contract. I mean, mm-hmm. it's close, but I'm leaning CEH. You're talking about redraft or which right now? I'd go both. Oh, honestly. both. Wow. Okay. I'm actually not against that much at all. I, I think Dobbins is just insanely more talented, uh, oh, especially is. as a rusher. Um, and, I mean, the offense, I mean, as far as if you account for, like, the pass heavy versus run heavy and then the, the efficiency of the offense itself – the Ravens might be better for a running back, but I'm just not projecting that to be the way it goes anymore. With the, with them bringing in Bateman and bringing in Wallace, uh, I think they just want to start switching that offense because they realize that after two and a half, three years of this, it's just not working. It's not what they – like it's doing well, but it's still not enough to put them over the edge, uh, at least in the AFC. So I'm pretty all in on them passing more this year, which even lowers Dobbins' floor further. And like you said, Gus, Gus coming in. So, and for redraft, I'm all in on CH this year. I think he's going to be so much better than expectation, and I'm way lower on Dobbins. Um, for Dynasty, they're still, like, really close to me, though, and I think I might have Dobbins ahead um, just because he is so much more talented, in my opinion. But 
for redraft, I'm definitely on. Uh, I really like where CH has been going in redraft too. An underdog, he's been going like early round three. I like that as a value. Yeah, I think he can. I agree. Blow he's past climbing. Him. He's climbing. But yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I'm with I'm with Spence on this one. Uh, I have Dobbins. Well, I have Dobbins safely ahead in redraft or sorry in dynasty. Although I do have them in the same tier, I, I just have Dobbins up near the front of that tier and CH at the back. Biggest thing for me in dynasty is, is just. Like the situation, honestly, it, it literally can't get worse for Dobbins. Like he, he has, he's in a stable organization. We know, you know, who their head coach is going to be. We know who their quarterback's going to be. We know who he's going to be sharing backfield with for the foreseeable yep. future. And Gus Edwards. Nice thing with Gus Edwards is he cannot catch passes. Has never caught passes at any level of his life. So any pass catching that ever goes to running backs will be going to J.K. Dobbins. I think Gus Edwards is really good, which is unfortunate for Dobbins because I don't think that. Gus Edwards should ever be phased out of an offense. They just gave him $10 million. So he's certainly not going to be phased out of the offense. I, I don't know what we're trying to achieve with Dobbins and redraft. Like to me, his, he's just completely capped out at low end RB one, because I, I don't see a world in which he gets more than 20 to 30 catches. And I don't see a world in which he gets to 300 carries. So if he can't get 300 carries, and he can't get 30 catches. Then all we're looking at is, you know, okay, can he make up for efficiency? Probably. He's probably going to be extremely efficient. But he was already extremely efficient last year. He can't really get more efficient than literally leading the NFL in yards per carry. So yeah. I, I expect him to be good. I expect every time he sees the field for us to wish he sees the field more because he's awesome. I think that even right now, it's possibly he's one of the top five to eight talents at the running back position in the NFL. He was top five in virtually every single efficiency metric on earth. I think he is a mid-RB2 in redraft with an extremely safe floor and not a whole lot of a ceiling above that. In Dynasty, I prefer him just because J.K. Dobbins does not give any coach or GM a choice. Like, he's just so good that they will make him part of the game plan because he's J.K. Dobbins and he's awesome. C.H., I think, is better than people think. I think people act like he was a bag of shit last year, and he wasn't. He was, like, (laughs) actually pretty much fine. But he's fine. Like, if, if, if Kansas City brings in other competent running backs... I'm not like ridiculously confident that CH is going to play them off the field. You know, we, we saw last year, like Daryl Williams is nothing. He is literally <laughs> nothing. And, you know, he was getting some play over CH times last year. It's just hard because CH couldn't pass block at all last year. I was so disappointed in his pass blocking. And at the end of the day, like they're just not going to force the ball to him. They have Patrick freaking Mahomes. They have Travis Kelsey. They have Tyree Hill. If, if CH isn't able to block for Patrick Mahomes, then they're just going to take him off the field. They're going to put Daryl Williams because they don't need an all-world talented running back. They need an all-world talented quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. So over the long term, I have more concerns about CH. But this year, I want to swing for the fences. And if CH takes a major step forward, if he gets all the pass down work, if his pass blocking is improved, he has a top five ceiling in redraft this year. Yep. That's why we were all drafting him the first round last year, or at least you know some people were. So CH redraft Dobbins and Dynasty because I think that he's – like the floor is mid RB two forever because he's that good that he can't go below that. Whereas CH, I think can be marginalized a lot more easily. Yeah. I'm curious too with CH. Um, well, I'll let Matt go actually. Go ahead, Matt. No, you could, I mean, I'm going Dobbins in both. I mean, this is actually wow. kind of, was kind of easy when I saw it. I mean, this wow. was. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Draft, though? Like yeah. how do you, how do you make the math work? So this is, this yeah, is, this is, this is how I strategize. That wasn't even a word. 
how I strategize and redraft, right? So I go into my draft and I'm thinking first round, I'm either walking out with Kelsey or I'm walking out with that top five RB ceiling, right? Like you just mentioned, CEH has. Swing back round back towards the second. If I'm at the end of the second and I see CEH and I see Dobbins, I'm thinking, okay, I need safety. I need a floor that's going to be able to provide me quality week-to-week performances while I'm shooting for upside with my second running back. I mean, my first running back. Energy. David Montgomery around later. Here's, then. here's my issue. Yeah, this is my issue with Dobbins, though. Like, what? What are we? Oh. Whoa! 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 whoa. Weird. What? Um, there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> this is this is my issue with J.K. Dobbins in in a redraft format. Is where he's going. It's like you either have to. This is really weird. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I don't Great know what place. happened. My issue with Dobbins where he's going to redraft is. I just struggle to envision a scenario in which he's the player that makes the most sense from an expected value point of view. I think that he's he's going RB18 right now in redraft. I think he probably will be the RB18 or better if he's healthy. But to me, if I want safety, then I'm just going to draft like Michael Thomas or Keenan Allen. And then, you know, I have a guy who's probably going to actually score more points week to week. And if I want upside, because I'm, I'm drafting a running back, if I'm drafting a running back in the third round, I'm doing that because I know that elite running backs – could be more value over replacement than elite wide receivers. But J.K. Dobbins will not be an elite running back from a fantasy perspective this year. I, I don't think it's like possible. I don't think it's in his range of outcomes. So I just can't get on board with drafting J.K. Dobbins unless he falls. Like I got J.K. Dobbins in the fourth round the other day. But where he normally goes, if Michael Thomas is on the board, if Keenan Allen is on the board, then it's like, what are we doing here? So this, yeah. this is what I want to say to that because I, I, I think I just don't agree. I think Dobbins can easily post – an RB11, RB10 season where I don't hey, think... RB11, sure. Yeah, but I don't <laughs> think CH is locked in to have a, an RB11. I think CH is more likely to have an RB30 than an RB11, in my opinion. I just don't uh, believe no. it. No, 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 Who else just, are they going to play? You made Jarek my point. McKinnon, Jarek McKinnon was rested because they said his legs were tired. No, you made my point when you when you, when you, when you made your point when you said they don't need CEH. He could not pass block to save his life. If he does not pass block, he's getting taken off the field. We can't give the benefit of the doubt to every rookie, right? Well, sophomore now Rick running back from last year because they've all missed training camps and, and that's uh, preseason that's and didn't fine. get that proper training to, to pass so block. None was, of the sophomore running backs were that good at pass blocking last year. That's fine. Whatever. CEH is also not going to get that many targets. It's just not going to happen. Patrick Mahomes is not dumping off to the running back. It's not going to happen. This is not that kind of offense. But it has gonna, happened. It could happen. They're going to look. They're going to look to Hill. They're going to look to Kelly. There's just so many other options in Kansas. City. There's two other options. <laughs> That's the two you named them. It's Hill and Kelsey, oh. and then it's, yeah. and, and it's then Mahomes. It's like, running? Running? What? <laughs> no, it's Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill who have dominated that offense for years, have elevated this offense to Super Bowl contention. I don't see why they would change it up just to get CEH involved. It's not. It's just not something I'm betting on. I've seen everybody tweet out CEH has top five upside. No, he doesn't. He's not going to score the touchdowns. He's not going to get the catches. It's just not going to happen. have seen Damian Williams post what a top five upside season could be in the Kansas City yeah. Chiefs offense. Mm-hmm. Right now, the issue is Damian Williams is actually good. Uh, and people don't understand that. But Damian Williams, like, he actually has a lot of speed. He's really elite in space. He really worked well for their system. I don't think that they needed to replace him. I don't know that CH is that same kind of back. But I, I guess the difference is J.K. Dobbins cannot get pass work because it's just – it's, like, impossible. Lamar Jackson just wasn't throwing running backs because why would Lamar Jackson throw a running back when he can just run, run for 15 run. yards? 
I agree. Right? Like we actually agree. have seen the Chiefs involved running backs in the past game. I mean, CH first off, like CH was involved in the past game last year. You know, like not yeah. not we too much targets, as we yeah. all dreamed. Not enough but, for an RB five season like, though. More more than J.K. Dobbins. It was like J.K. Dobbins caught one pass in December one. Cut off pass. Fine. One singular pass. That's not fine. Like, That's not fine. That's fine. <laughs> Come on, There's like zero running backs in the NFL that can score, that can get one catch and have an RB1 season. Here's the issue, Redeck. Like, just tell me how this works because no one is taking CH's carries. Like, they might not trust him to pass block, but if they want to run the ball, are they going to run the ball with Jarek McKinnon or Daryl Williams? I don't it's Darwin it's Thompson season out here. Or oh, Darwin Thompson? No, because I actually now I want to I want to rebuttal that because sure CEH is gonna get carries. I agree. J.K. Dobbins is gonna get carries. I'm not with Spence. This is going to a pass first offense. Greg Roman is still in town. Sure. I'm not saying pass first, run. but it's gonna be Okay, more. so they both get carries. Be more. One Dobbins, of them might get catches, the other won't. No, no, no. Dobbins is gonna see that 280, 300 yard those carries. He's going to get 280 to 300 carries. And he's going to get that 13, 1400 yards. He's going to score on 12 mm. touchdowns. I'm 300? all 300. How's he getting 300? Please explain to me how he gets a 300. Yeah. Like, okay, so an offense usually runs about 1,000 plays. 300 carries, then like, how many carries is Gus going to get? How many carries is going to get? They ran the ball over 600 times last year. Okay, but uh, Lamar had like 150 of those. Okay, so take, take let's give Lamar 170 just for good measure then. 170 to Lamar, that frees up 490. 430. 430. 430. So you think it's going to go 300, 130, Dobbins, Gus, and they're not going to pass the ball anymore. 180, 150? No, I don't believe they're going to pass the ball anymore. I have no no reason to believe they're going to pass the ball anymore. Why would they draft Rashad Bateman to not throw the ball? They've also said they're going to throw the ball the same. It's just not going to go to Willie Sneed or Devin Durbin. It's actually going to go to Bateman, who's just better. They're going to run the ball the same. This is the same OC for Mm. his whole entire career who's loved to run the football. It's not changing. You you can't. I mean, he's come out and said, we're changing. Yeah. Mark Ingram did. They said that last year. They said that last year, and they actually ran the ball more. So They also didn't get Rashad Bateman. This, this your boy, and actions. They, mm-hmm. they came out like everything that they have done since the end of the season was they went on free agency. They're like, would any wide receiver like to sign this in free agency? Juju Smith Schuster, would you like to sign this? No. T.Y. Hilton, would you like to sign this? No. Okay. Sammy Watkins, sure. Come, come on board, Sammy Watkins. Okay. Let's first uh, pick that we get in the draft receiver, fourth round pick, receiver. And then they, and then they come out and they say, yeah, also we want to pass the ball a lot more. You know they're gonna pass a more. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I just don't think they can run more. We've and even if they run the same, it's still miserable. Like odds for Dobbins to like. And we're talking about like the floor is RB fourteen and the ceiling is like RB eleven. You know, so it's not like these. I mean, it's we're kind of calling it like before it happens, but it just seems like Dobbins. already. I, I don't believe it because okay, so if that's if I believe Ch had that top five upside, I would agree with you guys. Yeah. I don't believe he does. His upside to me is RB ten, RB nine. So I trust Dobbins's floor way more than I trust Ch's floor, and I'll leave it at that. Because that's how I'm, I, that's, I'm of the opinion that Ch is about to be this year's Dave Montgomery, where he just is no. just gonna be the guy who that he's everybody was like kind of mad on. Oh, everybody he's was like, let me get Miles Sanders. Yeah. Let me let me Come get on. let me Dave get Montgomery Jacobs. isn't anything. Oh, I know, but I'm saying like, everybody was like super was. against David Montgomery, and they were like, "Oh, it's going to be Miles Sanders season. It's going to be Josh Jacobs season." 
and then ended up being our running back for David Montgomery season. I think that's what CH is going to do this year, and then it's going to be the exact same thing next year where we see David Montgomery like totally getting disrespected again, and then CH will if he posts a top five running back season, it's just going to be the same thing. He'll just be disrespected like David Montgomery was. Well, no, I think we've yes. fallen into that same boat that we fell last year. I I just believe we have. Last year we all got a little little bored. Last year he was getting taken literally in like pick five. CH started to climb the ranks, right? Because he was with this Kansas City high powered offense. Nothing. Nothing. But he's also why good. are we doing why are we doing the same again this year? I think it's like okay, I don't think he's as good as Dobbins. But I think people are acting like CH is bad, and there's no evidence that he's bad. He's a middling running back. He, there's nothing the only one that got drafted in the first round. I don't even think he's middling. I think he's good. Like he's just not as good as he's players okay. that got drafted after him. And and that makes people think that he's bad. I don't think he's bad. Like he was actually quite efficient. He was top twenty in most efficiency metrics last year as a rookie. We usually don't see rookies, you know, come out be like Dobbins and be top five in efficiency. He showed us a lot. He has really high level burst. He was an incredibly productive pass catcher in college. He has first-round draft capital. I think we have pretty much every reason to think that he's good. He's just a little bit slow. Like, if he, if he ran, like, 0.1 faster of a 40 time, I would be extremely excited about CH. I think that he's a little limited, but he's a, he's a good player. He's, he's a good pass catcher. He was a pretty efficient runner. Like, I don't think that he's bad at all. Like, I don't he's think just he's underwhelming. Either. I don't think he's bad either, but I just don't think he's, like, this stud running back. Right, I don't think he's this elite guy that can post a top five season. I just don't, I don't believe he's going to get that. I, he's, he, he's, he's the only. He's the only. Name another sophomore who has a workhorse role, like guaranteed, like hundred percent this year workhorse. Well, Cam Akers. Akers. Nope. Nope. Yes. Yes. No. Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes, right. Even if, I guess. <laughs> Daryl Henderson, the disrespect. My man is not a bad football player. I can't. That's fine. Him. He is not as good as Cam Akers. I want to mention something before we get into Cam Akers because I know, Jacob, this is your guy. Absolutely. I do want to mention one thing. A year ago, when I first started, you know, dazzling in the dynasty space and tweet here and there, I tweeted Cam Akers was at the highest value you'll ever be. He was not, I didn't think he was very good. I said, go sell there, Cam Akers while you can because he was getting draft. I saw some drafts at like 1.12. I was like, oh, go sell. That's nice. He's going to be. I was wrong. I just want to admit that live. It's one of my worst takes. I was wrong. I've learned. I have Cam Akers on some dynasty rosters. I'm sorry. I, I think Cam, I, I just don't, man, I think Cam Akers is super locked into a work. I mean, I guess it depends on what you want to define as workhorse. Like, I, is he well, we're talking about CH competing with Daryl Williams, right? And and Jarek McKinnon, where it's like you said, Daryl Henderson is not a bad football player. Like he's not great. He's not Gus Edwards, but he's not bad. So okay. I, I think it. Uh, I think if you give him like eighty twenty, like you're a little generous. But I could I could be okay with that. But that's not workhorse to me. Like I feel like CH oh, that's, could just that's get like ninety five percent. Then is Dalvin Cook not a workhorse? He doesn't even get 80 20. Alexander Madison? Are we concerned? No, but I'm just saying, like, if you're saying you have to get 80 20, like, Dalvin Cook doesn't even get 80 20. Fair enough. And he's a workhorse. Like, I think, for from all intents and purposes, to me, Cam Akers is a workhorse because Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson is, like, screwed in a sense that I think he's a pretty <laughs> decent player. But the problem is, I just don't think he complements Cam Akers. He overlaps no. with Cam Akers, in my yeah. opinion. Like, I would be more concerned if Cam Akers had like a Naheem Hines type, even though I think yeah. Daryl Henderson in a vacuum is a better player than Naheem Hines. That would just concern me more because Cam Akers is bigger than Daryl Henderson. He's just as fast as Daryl Henderson. 
He's got sufficient burst. And he's, you know, Daryl Henderson has never shown to be able to handle a significant workload. He didn't handle a significant workload in college. He, he never handled one of the pros. And he's never been a pass catcher ever. He had a six, he had a 7% college target share. And in, in two years, he has 20 catches combined. So Henderson, to me, he's like that, a much better version. Well, now a much better version. But there was a time when Tevin Coleman was actually a good football player. Uh, <laughs> and, and like Henderson is that kind of guy where he's like this slasher who is really effective, you know, in a 10 carry per game role, but he's not going to be that pass catching back. And it's, and you're just kind of stuck to me. If you're this, if you're a Daryl Henderson type, because you're almost a guy who's, who's a really key aspect of committee, but you're never going to have the aspect of the committee that's valuable for fantasy because you're going to end up being the guy who gets, you know, eight to 10 touches between the twenties, but he's not going to be the guy that gets goal line work. He's not going to be the guy that gets pass catching work. And he's too small really to be that goal line guy or that pass blocking guy. So I just, I just get concerned with Daryl Henderson. I mean, Malcolm Brown, to me, was the bigger thorn in the side of Cam Akers last year than Daryl Henderson was because Malcolm Brown was the guy who was getting all the third-down work. And he was the guy that was actually getting goal-line carries. Cam Akers, in my opinion, is going to get all the all the important touches. He's going to get the pass-down work. They've, they've talked up how much they want to get on the ball as a pass catcher, and he was a fantastic pass catcher in college. He was one of the best in the class in that regard. That was really one of his strengths. He couldn't pass block for shit. Uh, it seems like a common refrain among all rookie running backs ever that they're usually very bad at pass blocking. Um, Rojo is still bad. Yeah. So maybe Cam Akers will never improve in pass blocking. That's certainly possible, but you know, I think that that's a more improvable skill than, than other aspects of the position. And I think Cam Akers is going to be the pass down back. He's going to be the goal line back. Does he get 80% of the, between the twenties carries or 70% or 60%? I don't know. I, I just kind of don't care. I guess I think he's going to get all the important touches and I think he's going to get a lot of the other touches He's going to score a bunch of touchdowns. He's going to catch a bunch of passes. And to me, that's all we need. And Henderson, I think, is a really, really excellent handcuff back. But I just don't see how he's viable for fantasy. Because I just see a lot of weeks where you're watching the grams and you're like, man, Gerald Henderson looked pretty good today. But then you look at the stat sheet, it's like, oh, he had seven carries for 48 yards and no catches. And it's like, what am I yeah. going to do with that? Yeah. What are, what are you projecting for touches for Cam Akers then? Like 380, something like that? Um, man, I mean, well, I guess on a 17 game season, I probably not that many. I, I would project about 300 to 300. And, well, I, I guess I project about 300 carries. I think he's going to be in the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in, the in the 16 to 18 carries. And I would say we're probably looking at, at 60 to 70 targets. I think like the Rams, yeah. Rams haven't thrown the ball a ton to, to running backs in the past. They've been between 60 and 70. I think that that'll go up just because, their pass down back for the last uh, couple of years has been Malcolm Brown because they wanted to protect Todd Gurley with the knee injury. And then, you know, Akers and Henderson can't pass block. But Brown was playing third downs to pass block, not to pass catch because he's like a human pylon. So yeah, right. I, I just think if you have Cam Akers playing on pass downs, you're going to throw the running back more than if you have Malcolm Brown. So I, I would project right. that to go up into the 80 to 90 range. And it's, it's fully a two-man backfield. Like, can anyone even name the restaurant? They have like Raymond Calais. Jacob Funk. Jacob Funk, like they That's don't have, it's, it's just those two guys. So I, I think you'll see, I don't know, 80 to 90 targets to running backs ish. And Cam, I think, gets 60 to 70 of those. Uh, and, and so I and think we're looking at, I don't know, probably a 340, 350 touches, a lot of touches and a really good offense. Yeah, I, I, I like mean, it. I, lo- I, like I think Cam the ceiling is definitely there. I was wrong on Cam Akers, so I'm uh, I'm just going to listen to you and take in what the wisdom you are bringing because I was wrong. I, I think that this is the best thing I can say to assure people on Akers is people act like the ceiling's there, but there's no floor. And I get why, because he hasn't played that many games. 
and he wasn't, you know, extraordinarily efficient, especially at the beginning of the year. Yeah. But I, what I will say this way to the four people is that you have to remember the touches that win fantasy games and it's goal line touches and pass catching touches. And sure. They can always sign someone else. Something weird could happen, but if it's the running backs they have on the roster, Cam Akers will get more pass catching touches and goal line touches than Darrell Henderson. And if you, if, even if they split the other work, 60, 40 or 50, 50, which I'm not projecting, but if that's the worst case scenario, that's not that bad because they're still going to score a ton of points. Akers look at the valuable touches. And if you just think about it, if you just average, you know, four yards per carry, start taking it down. Even if, even if we're five carries per game wrong on, on the touch distribution, if those are just these between the twenties carries, which is what I think Daryl Henderson's mostly going to get, because that's what he profiles to get. It's like, okay, we're going to take 20 yards a game off of acres uh, score. That's two fantasy points a week. That's not crippling. Like maybe that means he shouldn't have been a first round pick. He should have been a late second round pick. But to me, that's still a pretty safe floor. So I'm not really that concerned about the floor, you know, provided he stays healthy. Yeah. I think my, I not, it's not a comp because they're not that similar players, but like for me, I look at, I'm just, I just keep talking about like the 2019 class, but he feels like Miles Sanders to me. Like Miles Sanders could have had a really good year, but he didn't. And his floor is like where he was his rookie year, kind of like RB 20 ish range. Like, I think that's easily the floor. So I don't think no floor is, is correct. I think he's easily going to be an RB 20 or higher, um, which is totally safe. You know what I mean? If you take him with, because of the ceiling we're talking about, if you take him in the first or the mid second, I think that's totally fair. Like, if you not, take him in the first, nothing against RB twenty. You're upset. Well, yeah, but yeah, I, you're not that's, happy. But you're betting on that ceiling, obviously. No, yeah. you know people. Yeah. yeah, you know, so it's tough. But I think uh, I think it's within the realm of possibilities to finish anywhere from like RB five to twenty. Probably five. I think it's the max I could put him at. I, I think, think he has the four. highest. I think he has the highest ceiling for the out of all the twenty twenty class. This year in redraft, uh, he's my he's he's my highest ranked of the twenty twenty one of the twenty twenty backs in redraft. I even have him over Taylor in redraft, to be honest. I agree. I have Gibson. I'm not, I'm not taking him over Taylor. Taylor just because I don't have to, but I I do. The the one thing I push back on the Miles Sanders thing is that I think there's two big there's three big reasons why Miles Sanders failed last year. Number one is he kept getting hurt. Obviously, Acres mm-hmm. could also get hurt. That could happen anyway. Yep. Um, number two, Miles Sanders started losing a bunch of pass game snaps. Yeah, I think that that's. Not super likely for Acres unless they add someone, just because I don't think Daryl Henderson is that guy. And I don't know. I guess I don't know. Maybe Raymond Calais is that guy, but I, I think that's less Scott. likely. Versus, right, but 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 Philly had Boston Scott, who like we can laugh at that he actually has demonstrated a passing down role in the past. LA has nobody that has demonstrated yeah. that in the past. So, I, and then the third thing is that Philadelphia was a complete train wreck. And so there was a ton of games where Miles Sanders was playing like 78% of the snaps and getting like 12 touches because they were just constantly behind. If Cam Akers plays 75% of the snaps, he's not getting 12 touches because LA is going to be good. I I don't see how they, like, I guess Stafford could get hurt and playing John Wolford, but assuming health of Matt Stafford, this will be a good team. I mean, they've been a functional offense for as long as McVay has been there with Goff, even if, but whatever people think of Stafford, it's really like, are they going to be a top five offense or top 10 offense? They're, they're going to be functional, certainly more functional than Philly was. I mean, geez, what a disaster. Yeah. I think yeah, the and that's what I mean by saying team. the floor is like 20. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have all those things go wrong. That's what the floor is. You know what I mean? The floor isn't mm-hmm. like, oh, if he's not that good, this is his floor. Like, no, the floor <laughs> is like exactly what could happen. And yeah. that's like in the realm of possibilities. And that's the only way like he's going to finish around that area. So I dig it. 
I'm with it. I am with it. Too. I uh, I was gonna say something. Say it. I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> but you know, I had a, I have Acres and Gibson above Jonathan Taylor to kind of piggyback off what you were saying, uh, Jacob. But but that's yeah. the last. That's the last one of the sophomore class we haven't talked about. You guys want to spill it out about JT? I know we got JT RB one. You know. I was yeah, just talking about curious, that today. I'm curious, Spence, how, how much does the uh, JTRB1 um, transcend for you to redraft? Because JT is also my Dynasty RB1, but I'm I'm not quite as bullish on him in redraft. Yeah, I'm not as bullish. Uh, I actually have taken him RB1 in best ball and uh, redraft already, and I probably just will because it's a <laughs> game of sport. It's for the brand. Fun. Yeah, it's for the brand. But um, no, it. I think it's totally in the realm of possibilities. I mean, we're talking like... I'm also like really high on Gibson. It's the reason I'm high on Gibson and why I was so early on it was because I was super high on JT. I was doing a ton of research on him. And then I, and then I started looking into Gibson and like their, their, their rookie years were just so similar. Like they were dealing with pass catching backs. Offenses were like meh. And now the offenses have improved and the pass catching back, both of them are on a free agency next year. And I'm just like wheels up for 2022 um, and actually, in my thread, my first thread I ever put out, I said, like, JT will be the RB1 in mm. 2022. And then, like, a month later, I was like, man, I really want to do something cool for charity. So then I sh- tweeted out, like, every retweet this gets, um, I'll donate nice. a dollar unless JT finishes at the RB1 in 2021. So I'm wow. just kind of trying to, like, bring it to fruition, you know? We're at, like, 250 retweets. And mm, nice. if he ended up finishing as the RB1, it'd be dope. Um, but I, I, I'm not super confident. Um, I'm with uh, Matt. I think I'll take Gibson and redraft. If I was doing it, if I was giving someone advice, I would take Gibson over him, not at RB1, but just taking Gibson over over JT, just because I think that upside is really high for redraft. Uh, and then obviously I'll take CMC, Barkley, um, Cook, you know, those guys, those all three of those guys feel very safe to me. Um, Barkley maybe a little bit towards the back. I'm not as Listen, come on, man. Uh, yeah, come sorry, on, man. Not today. Not today. I gotta, I gotta throw it in. I'm pro- personally, I'm probably not gonna own any Barkley shares and ever. That's wow. a shame. Wow, that's unfortunate for you. I feel yeah, bad. I'm just not confident in it. Wait, okay, how come? Because you clip. So like the two guys <laughs> you love the most, Gibson and Taylor, are yeah. like two size, speed, pass catching specimens. Yeah. And Barkley's better than both. Barkley is by Barclay. far, is by far the best talent that I have ever looked at for fantasy purposes and for, like, not fantasy purposes for NFL purposes. Like, you look at that, you're like, the, I don't want it on my team. I don't want. <laughs> he's to. just the most talented guy. <laughs> but my roster feel bad. If you talk, if you're talking about busts, you know what I'm saying. Everyone loves to bag on Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon is one of the most talented running backs in the NFL. Like, as far as talent is concerned, he is. You can disagree. That's why? Why is he like? Why is? What? Why does he have horrendous efficiency metrics every year that he plays? What? He plays for the Bengals. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, no, Andy Dalton. Every he, single metric that you come up with, with Joe that, that try that tries to isolate our running back play from their offensive line is like, man, Joe Mixon sucks. Oh boy. Anyway, the point is, he's played one full season, and it was Ooh. a rookie year that you latched onto, and that Barkley. Yeah, yeah. He was awesome. He was a yeah. beast. And then his sophomore year, he was did a beast. Not help you in the final. 
He was out the last hurt. six weeks of the year, right? No, 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 no. He was like, he scored like 30 points the championship week. Oh, it was the middle. Was just the middle of the year. Like that. Yeah, right. yeah. He started the year. Matter, he, get in the and then he was great yeah. come playoffs. Right. And then you go into next year and then he's just out the whole year. That's a bust to me. Like if we're Stop. talking about dynasty, you Stop. lost so much value. Well, like, sure. you had but, CMC, but what, you're supposed to pro- you're can, supposed to project ACL terms. No, you're not supposed to project it, but it's just like how can you I it's just don't understand loss. how he can maintain oh. this level of dynasty rank while doing this to people this much while Joe Mixon well, just completely gets trashed. Cool. You know yeah, what I mean? Because or Joe other, Mixon goes on the field and players. is bad. <laughs> like when Saquon Barkley is on the field, he's awesome. He was bad. Because he had one game against the Steelers. Okay. What that like that stopped him as rookie year? Like, what do you mean? Like, the whole point is he's this like transcendent generational player who should just be able to surpass defenses. But, but okay, there's such a difference because Mixon is it's a mix of two things. Like, for, first of all, like, I think the dynasty community is maybe a little bit too hard on Mixon. No, uh, but it's it's Sorry. pretty it's pretty easy to be hard on Mixon because yeah. you know he's not like a model citizen. Um, but I think <laughs> that plays into it a little bit. I just think with Mixon, like, there's multiple facets. He's been injured. Yeah. But he's also been on the field and frustrated us multiple times. Like last yeah. year, I know that now that we're not living in last year, um, it's easy to look back and be like his points per game, he was top 10. But he had one ridiculously good game. And I, I remember that, that week against Jacksonville, he was priced down and nobody played him in DFS because he, everyone was so fed up of dealing with Joe Mixon's shit for the previous yeah. like, four, was four like weeks. Four points. So I, I like Joe Mixon this year. I want to be clear about that. I, his efficiency concerns me long term it's not good but he's super super athletic he has a ton of juice he has pass catching ability and there's nobody else in the backfield and it's gonna be a great offense so i'm all in on joe mixon this year Uh, i want to be clear about that but i I just think that joe mixon has been on the field and failed you like if you you've owned joe mixon you've put him in the rb slot and then you've watched the game and you've been mad because geo bernard comes (laughs) on the field or joe mixon runs into his offensive lineman or like like things have happened while he's on the field it's bad saquon barkley outside of one game against the Steelers has, <laughs> has been good when he plays. It's just that he's been injured. But I just I just don't I don't believe that we can just predict injuries. So it's like I don't well, know. I'm I, not. I'm, I don't know if right you're back on, me saying I'm never going to own him. You meant I meant like I have him just completely dropped off of my ranks or something. It's just it's lower than what other people. He's do. not in so your I'm top three. Not, I, don't, I don't get it. Yeah, exactly. He's not in my top three. So I think that's for dynasty. Crazy. Talking about dynasty. Either I want to. I might be able to squeak him in, barely. Okay, Maybe. actually, re- redraft I have him four. Actually, to be honest, I have Henry. Yeah. Adam. Okay. Yeah. But for dynasty, no, he's just not. He's just not there. But, but he's wait, wait. See, so he's he's higher for you to redraft than dynasty, even though he's young. Yeah. Yeah, I would think so. So who who are you taking over him in dynasty? Like, are you taking like Cook and Kamara Gibson. over him? No, Gibson. Gibson. Yeah, I'm the biggest Gibson truther you'll ever meet. I know come Matt's on. gotten on board recently, but I've I've no, been no, 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 beating no, no, no. this drum since like January. Let's, let me get my take. Let me get my take in real quick. <laughs> okay, because go I'm ahead. not letting him go away with this Saquon or Saquon Barkley. That's just this 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 Saquon. You've done this for months, Matt. I oh, I've known about the Gibson over Saquon, and we've argued. Yeah. I didn't know you were calling him a bust. That's just disrespectful. He tore his ACL, Spencer. Okay. What do you want the guy to do? What did he finish? In that? The- what did he finish his sophomore year? Like running back 18 or something? Well, he no, missed like six that. weeks. And he, was he, was, he, he was an RB1 even without playing for six weeks. Was that and it? And when he was on the field, he was the best running back in the National Football League. 
Okay, settle down. Um, Christian McCaffrey. No, he wasn't. Yeah, no, you're crazy. No, no. Oh, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. Wasn't that the 430-point year that CMT had? First off, okay, here, here's the actual actual accurate sets. So in points per game in 2019, he was the RB2. He was only behind uh, Christian McCaffrey. So right. that's that's He's a better running knowing. back than So when he, was, when he was on the field, he was extremely good. And in 2019, the overall season stats, despite missing – let me look this up uh, quickly. Despite missing – uh, three full games and 60% of another, he was still the overall RB5 in PPR. Pretty good. He, so he was pretty good. Pretty good. He was better than McCaffrey, <laughs> Matt. You can mute your mic after that comment, but... No, he was better. He was better. He is better, he's a better running back. He's a better at running the football as a being an NFL runner. He could catch passes. He can run. He's a better runner. I don't care that McCaffrey... I don't think he'll ever score more fantasy points McCaffrey. than McCaffrey again. I'm That's not sure right. any running back will ever score more fantasy yeah. points than Christian like McCaffrey. Joe Brady, just, Joe Brady just breathes like, and that was on like the most miserable team ever, wasn't it? Like that <laughs> yeah. Panthers team was just horrendous. That's fine. Like, imagine targets. if they That's scored fine. touchdowns. That's fine. He gets fed targets. I'm not saying McCaffrey's awful. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying I'm is glad is, that's not what you're saying. <laughs> Saquon's a better NFL running back. Like if I went into like. Sure, but Nick Chubb's wide. a better runner than both of them. So, like, I mean, we could talk about this stuff all but day. He he's not a better pass catcher than Saquon. Okay. And I but, rather not, have Saquon but Saquon's not a better pass catcher than Austin Eckler. Okay, no, let me tell you. Saquon, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, we could say <laughs> certain things all Nick day. Nick Chubb as a runner. Nick Chubb as a runner. Saquon uh, as a runner. Mm-hmm. Saquon is a pass catcher. Nick Chubb as a pass catcher. Okay, where's I, I think that gap is bang, a bang. Bit more like this. Like McCaffrey's like bang bang, and Barkley's like here on both. Here. Like the point is, McCaffrey's good. Barkley's good. Chubb's yeah. good. Matt, like, I, was, good. I was, I was with you here. Gibson is good. I was with <laughs> you here, Matt, when you're first on the Barkley train. Uh, and, and honestly, like all you can say is, I have, I have Saquon Barkley above Christian McCaffrey in Dynasty. I do. Yes, it's a good I. bet. It's a good bet because, like I said, like coming into the league, just like clearly much better touted prospect. You know what I mean? And and he's performed since he's been in, so it's hard to knock him down. It's like if Trevor Lawrence comes in and performs at like QB 10, you know, if he finishes QB 10, people are going to put him above Justin Herbert because he was a better prospect. Even if Justin Herbert does, yeah, exactly. Even if Justin Herbert already does what he did last year and finishes QB, what was it, 8 or something, like people are just going to move Trevor Lawrence ahead of him anyway just because he's a better prospect so that like they'll say that upside ceiling is higher. Um, and that's like what I think has happened with Saquon Barkley. Like he's had one really good year. He's a great prospect. And then the past two years, it's been like some disappointment to me, in my opinion, you know, for redraft purposes, like just because I wasn't doing this analysis then. But for me, this last year and the year before that, it was a disappointment from a redraft perspective. I mean, oh, if, he, if, he disappoints, if he disappoints yeah. while healthy, then 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 expect to see him plummet down ranks. Oh, or, yeah. or frankly, frankly, like if he gets injured for a third year in a row, people probably leave him for dead. I just think to this point, like when he's been healthy, he's been great, and and it's his injuries. It's I don't know. I think people are more forgiving of like seemingly fluky fluky injuries, whereas Mixon. Like Mixon just trolled us last year. Like Saquon Barkley, it was it was it was a clean break. It was like, all right, this guy tore his ACL. You're you're done. You're not going to see him until next year. So people just put him on it. So it with Mixon. He trolled us every single week. It was like Joe Mixon's questionable this week, guys. Okay, yeah. now he's been downgraded to doubtful. Okay, and now he's not going to play. Okay, guys, he's back this week, yeah. and he's doubtful. And he's like, but you couldn't just put him on IR. You had to keep him in your brain. You had to keep a little Mixon C in your brain, and and he just trolled you constantly. 
But his ADP, of course, his ADP is way back up because that's what we do as a dynasty community. Every year, every year in the season, we're like, oh, that's Joe Mixon guy. He's total trash. We got to get rid of Joe Mixon. And then the season ends and everyone's like, man, Joe Mixon, what a bum. And then a month later, everyody, a month later, everybody's like, wait, uh, did you were too low on Joe Mixon? And then, you know, two months <laughs> later, everyone's like, guys, Joe Mixon screaming value. And then a month after that, he's no longer value because he's just being taken too high. And then if you just buy Joe Mixon in January every single year and then you sell him in August, you're, you're winning Dynasty Leagues. You can just do that every single year. You just need to buy Joe Mixon in January and you just sell him in August and you just need to never roster him during the season. That's how you win I Dynasty. I love that. I love that, Jacob. That was awesome way to end it. That was awesome. I loved it. But yeah, that, that's gonna do it. We ran a little past time here, an hour and almost thirty minutes. But it's you know it's always Sorry, good. No, it's good. It was good, good lively debate. I love having you on, Jacob. Uh, let the people know where they can find you. Remind them uh, what you're up to and what you're doing. Uh, yes, you can follow me on Twitter ff underscore rtdb. As I mentioned, catch me uh, tomorrow and every Friday on the Full Tilt Dynasty Podcast at seven Eastern time with Big Billy FF and Thomas Tipple FF. Find me on Tuesdays with Chase FF Intervention and at Shane is the worst uh, for Dynasty Intervention. And of course, you can find my writing on Player Profiler, including my latest article, which is pinned to the top of my profile on Ezekiel Elliott. And the fallacy of the Bilo running back. So we didn't get to talk about Zeke today, but if you want my thoughts on Zeke, and especially Zeke compared to some other guys, his age range, like an Aaron Jones, an Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, uh, make sure to check that out. Um, top of my profile, FF underscore RTDB. Yeah, thanks, Jacob, for coming out. It was a pleasure having you, a pleasure breaking down uh, basically everything Julio and, and then the, the sophomore running backs. Spencer, Ryan, it's always fun chatting up with you guys. Uh, that's going to do it. Peace.